Good luck. Hello, everybody. My name is Lat Mackey, and this is Sequence Break, a podcast featuring conversations with speedrunners, developers, content creators, and everything in between. Thank you so much for being here and watching and listening and all that kind of fun stuff. Today, another bonus episode from Games Done Classic, where we look back at Super Mario Odyssey. I almost forgot which Mario it was. There's so many of them. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. And oh my gosh, is this a fun conversation. So it's it's really fascinating to kind of track the history of a game that's only been around for four years. It's one of the most popular speedruns on speedrun.com over, I mean, thousands and thousands of submissions in all the different categories, tons of meme categories, all that kind of stuff. And it is still a hotly contested competitive leaderboard to say the least. Uh, Dangers and Fur are the people on this episode. And it's kind of cool because we, Fur and Fur was actually running this game pretty, pretty close to when it first came out. And Dangers didn't come to the game until a little bit later on actually had some of the speedrunning stats been around strats had been around so it's kind of an interesting way to track kind of the progress of the speedrun um, this first part kind of goes over the history of those first couple of years and obviously the history of gdq and all that stuff and then let me strongly encourage you to take a look or take a listen to the full episode on the second part that i won't include in this podcast we actually get into some of the newer categories some of the new things that have been discovered what's happening right now in the meta <laughs> that is super mario odyssey speedrunning and it's it's really cool just kind of see where it goes but in this first part that uh, i'll play for you here as part of uh, as part of this podcast is the history of it how it started what happened what kind of things were discovered on day one a lot of just really interesting chat about the strats the routing all the kind of techniques that go into playing this game especially at a high level and uh, what it was like being there at the gdq stage so hope you get a hope you enjoy like i said i just want to recommend if you get a chance listen to the whole thing it's it's really fun once again dangers fur on games done classic here it is Folks, welcome to Games Done Classic. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking back today at Super Mario Odyssey, one of the most competitive speedruns of all time. In just a short amount of time, four short years, Super Mario Odyssey has become one of the most competitive and submitted speedruns on all of the leaderboards. And I am excited to welcome and have joined the podcast today, uh, Dangers and for Dangers, how you doing? Good to see you. Doing excellent. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. And for thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. I'm excited to have both of you. And uh, as you'll notice, folks, we're going to be looking back. The first run we have on the screen right now is a race between uh, Nicro and Fur. And this is from GDQX 2018. But before we get into the run, we have to talk a little bit about the speed run itself and the history of SMO and Odyssey and everything that goes around with it. So, Dangerous, why don't I start with you first? When did you start speedrunning Super Mario Odyssey? And what kind of led you to take on this, uh, <laughs> this speed run as it is? Well, uh, this is actually a really interesting question for me. I, I feel like I was a little bit of a late bloomer to the whole Super Mario Odyssey thing. Like, Odyssey was the brand new Mario game, and Mario games kind of have a reputation for being really good speed games and stuff. So, like, the the speedrunning community hopped right on Odyssey when it came out, right? Like, that, like as soon as Odyssey came out, everybody was speedrunning it. I actually wasn't even on Twitch. I was pursuing, like, cooking as a career, and I was kind of, like, minding my own business, didn't even know that this was happening or anything like that. It wasn't until, like, April or May of 2018 that I finally kind of hopped on board and it was basically just like something put me out of work for a little while. I had been speedrunning like as a kid, like as a hobby, like way, way, way back. Um, and it kind of just like re, I, I, you know, I rediscovered it, I guess you could say. Um, and it was Nicrovita who I found on Twitch 
uh, doing world record speedruns. And I was like, you know what? I think I could do that. I think I could probably do that. And so I just decided to pick up a controller, give it a shot. Um, and, you know, three years later, here I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> and The rest is history, as they say. For How about you? What That's is your right. experience with, uh, with uh, Mario Odyssey? So, like, with first picking it up, um, I, I was pretty much on board from the beginning. Uh, when the game was coming out and they announced it and everyone was hyping it up as a speedrun, which was kind of insane. I remember when Odyssey was, like, coming out and, like, leading up to it, everybody wanted to try out this speedrun. So I knew I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get in there. I wanted to try a new speedrun that was, like, hot and popular and super competitive because before Odyssey, I had done speedrunning before, but it was usually in, like, smaller indie games that, like, varied in size. Like, my first speedrun was Hyper Light Drifter, and I tried some others, like, VVV, VVV, and I had in time. But, like, Odyssey, like, compared to those games, Odyssey was this huge thing. So in the beginning, I wanted to try it out. So within the first month, I was speedrunning it and trying to, like, get good at any percent and catch up to all these people who were, like, grinding day in and day out. It, it was kind of crazy. Uh, for I'm glad you mentioned that because I can't remember a game being so hot uh, as far as a speedrun goes as immediate as Mario Odyssey was. And... Uh, it, it's things like that where I kind of wonder if the game is just like develop. They had to have. I, I, I always feel like the developers had to have had some thought or you know put some purposeful things into the game that make it so good as a speed run. But the the, the fact that it caught on so quickly, uh, I don't can't remember a game that's been like that. I mean, maybe maybe either one of you have, but it seems like this immediately uh, caught the attention of the speedrunning community and got a lot of people involved right away. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. I think. You know, a lot of, like, AAA, especially Nintendo titles, tend to get that treatment right out mm. at the beginning. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we're going to play this because everybody, you know, it's a Nintendo game. Everybody kind of flocks to those really fast. Um, but, again, like I said at the very beginning, nothing quite captures the speedrun essence quite like the platforming Mario games do. Um, and even if a game is speedrun by people, like, ambitiously at the beginning, it tends to taper off quite quickly because not every game is, like, perfect for the grind mentality the whole like pushing things down like i remember pokemon snap coming out for example mm. the, the the brand new one like last year that yeah. game came out and there were a lot of people that were like yeah you know let's try and speed run it it was kind of like more of a joke though you know what i mean <laughs> um and you know it you can only push a game like that so far like there might be a couple things where you're like "Ooh, if we like throw this thing at this time then we skip this pokemon and you're like that's revolutionary. But with a game like this, <laughs> um, it's different, right? Like this, there's always discoveries. Like you can always move faster. You can always figure out how to improve how you're playing. And, you know, that's, I think that's why Mario games do so well. And like if, if speedrunning were as popular as it was like, you know, in the Nintendo 64 era, maybe like when Nintendo 64 games were coming out and we had the internet, I'm sure Super Mario 64 would have gotten the same treatment. It just so happens to be that Odyssey was like at this perfect precipice of like internet popularity, speedrun popularity, and also, you know, being a Mario game with a release and being popular on Twitch, I think. Definitely. Uh, so for, I'm going to start with you. It's in, oh, good. Did you want to say something? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Uh, no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> uh, what, what, what was the question? Yeah, so I was going to go with, you know, what makes the speedrun so good? I, I got to tell you, uh, I only have a casual experience with it, but it's 
basically mm. one of my favorite 3D platformers I've ever played. I had this, I think like like a lot of people, because the game got popular, the, the experience with it as far as platforming go is just, there's no real, I mean, Mario 64 is kind of comparable, but I still feel like this is like just pure platforming perfection. What? Tell me about the speed run and what makes it so good. Well, I, I think the first thing to bring up, and this sort of applies more when the game was new, it was a very open-ended game to tackle, like especially from a routing perspective. And each of these like kingdoms you have to go through, um, your goal is to collect a set of moons, and then um, once you get like that set of moons and get enough, once you get Sorry, I'm tripping over my words here. Once you get enough moons to go to the next kingdom, you can just go. You don't need a clear, like, a story objective or anything like that. So, like, figuring out a route that sort of just works it was, like, something that was constantly changing for a very long time. And even, like, recently, I don't remember exactly when the last route change was in any percent, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, two years ago or something like that. It's It's been something that's... People keep finding, like, new things or new ways to, like, do small bits of movement or, like, tackle different challenges. So I think that's just one of the things. But there's even more to it than that, just because, like, the movement in this game is so, like, just very good. And there's so many, like, interesting optimizations you can make just from, like, figuring out how you can move from, like, point A to point B just, like, a little bit better. I know for both you and Dangers did a fair amount of grinding, grinding on this game for quite a while. And so, Dangers, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw it over to you. What kind of makes the speedrun of this different or stand out to you as opposed to maybe other speedruns you've tried or other ones you've seen and watched? Well, I feel like I'm kind of uh, categorically a Mario speedrunner. I feel like <laughs> those games kind of appeal to me. And I've noticed um i when i started speedrunning like ages and ages and ages ago i was kind of stuck on 2d mario speedruns i thought that those were like the perfect kind of you know package for a speedrun game because you know there is a correct way to do a level right like if you're going to run through a 2d stage uh you only have the one dimension to work with and well i guess two um and you just kind of you know you you per, you uh act per, like perfectly in that level and then you just win um and I thought that that was like the perfect format for a speed game. But then when you go into 3D, I realize, you know, you're allowed to make some mistakes in the 3D space, but it can still be impressive. And so, you know, Odyssey kind of takes that one step beyond even. And not only is it like a really good speed game because there is so much optimizing that you can do, it goes one step beyond and even says like, you know, it's also a quite an easy game to get into. And because the moveset is so versatile, um, you know, the ceiling for improvement is, like, way up here. Like, I wouldn't even say even the best runner in the game has, like, perfect mastery over absolutely everything you could possibly do. You know what I mean? So um, that's that makes it very captivating. That makes it very um, addictive. Um, and the, the whole idea of speedrunning in general is just adding replay value to games that maybe don't have it necessarily. I think that's probably, like, the most enticing thing about it, right? Is, like, when you play a Mario game, if you collect all the moons, you know all the puzzles, you know how they all work, you could play the game through again, like, casually, you know what I mean? But you're not going to have as much of an enrich enriching experience playing it the second time because you're going to know what to do, right? So speedrunning adds an external reason to keep playing, I guess, and that's probably what makes it so satisfying. And I think that because Mario game doesn't typically get viewed as a competitive game, you know, getting good at it is kind of impressive when you get to this level, so... 
I think that's an interesting thing to note moving forward as well here is that uh, even the best in the world at this game, uh, current world record holders, there's always still room for improvement. And I agree Definitely. with you. I think that's the thing that really sets 3D Mario's and especially this game apart is that uh, you, you, you know, there's always rooms for improvement. And quite often I hear, uh, or I, I see in commentary of, you know, a world record run or something of that nature that, oh man, I, okay, here's some, I didn't optimize my movement here. This could be optimized a little better. Always t places to save time. And I think that's I think that's one of the things that makes the, the the run endlessly fascinating to watch. Now I want to bring up you know thankfully for for GDQX we can actually see your hands here and you can see uh, Nicro is using uh, a con you know it looks like the Pro Controller <laughs> and, and Fur yep. you're using the the Joy Cons. Uh, what are like <laughs> what are some of the <laughs> basic things to know and learn if you're if you're curious about like picking up the speed? What are some of the basics as far as the speed run tech type of stuff goes? Well, since the controllers got brought up, if you're just Please, you know, yeah. running a category like any percent, it really doesn't even matter. And I mean, heck, even if you're running one of the longer categories, having those like the, the controller options are mostly just like down to preference at the end of the day. Like most of the people who run Odyssey run on pro controllers. So I'm kind of the exception there running on Joy-Cons. But um, so when it comes to like first picking up the speed run and like, what do you want to learn? Well... I feel like one of the, like, th this is really basic, but one of the good things to, you know, just sort of get used to is, like, cap bouncing. Because I feel like bouncing off of Cappy, whenever I see people playing this game casually, it's not something people are very good at utilizing or doing without, like, freaking out or falling off of the level or something. So I feel like that's probably one of the first things to sort of, like, get a hang of as you're just sort of starting to learn how to move Mario faster and faster and then, like, there, there's not really too many, like, specific tricks as a beginner runner you'd necessarily need to learn. Like, Moon Skip is a really big one because that saves literal minutes. Mm -hmm. But there aren't really many small movement things. Like, there's, there's roll canceling, which is pretty useful, but I feel like that's one of the strats that's harder to utilize and unless you're, like getting down to like an hour and 10 minute range or something like that. What are, what are you thinking dangerous? Like what are some of the things to learn? Yeah. That's kind of the thing is like when you have, when Mario's move kit is so diverse, it, it can be, you know, maybe we even take it for granted after having played the game for thousands of hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, for, maybe. you forget what not being able to move Mario is like. And I, I kind of experienced that when I switched over to galaxy, it was like, okay, so he moves kind of the same as in Odyssey, but he's got a couple quirks <laughs> that make him a little different, right? And you have to get used to those before you can even, you know, attempt to kind of upgrade yourself and be like, okay, well, I can do this level without thinking about it anymore, and I can maybe do this skip without thinking about it. Like, you kind of have to, like, level up in that sense. Um, so, like, moving Mario it seems like a simple statement. Just, like, move Mario, you know? It's easy. But it really isn't. Like if you if you want to have mastery over the movement, like you you have to put some time into that too. Like you have to kind of get used to, you you, you know you, you can't be thinking about the buttons. It, as weird as that sounds, like you know gamers intuitively know how you know <laughs> A means jump and Y means dive, but it isn't that simple at the beginning, right? Like that you have to get yeah. that into the back of your your mind before you even, I guess, get to this level that you're seeing right now. So. 
that's a really good point to bring up. And I saw some actual speedrunners talking about this recently where it seems like, you know, the most basic thing, but spending some time with a game, that's one of the things I think that's great about Odyssey is um, the main the main quest, you know, if you want to call it that. Uh, I would say maybe 10 hours, somewhere in that range, but there's so much to do in this game. You really feel like, I, I, as from the casual perspective, like I got a, a, a lot of good experience with a lot of the controls and I still haven't even gotten all of the moons in the game. And now, you know, I'm 20 or 30, 30 hours in or whatever. I think that's such an important aspect to speedrunning, especially at a high level, is just spending that time and putting in the work. And I think it really, especially for a game like this, where, you know, it, it, the, the movement is so important to saving time and to moving faster and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, a really good point. I, for you brought it up, and I, I think it's kind of interesting to track some of, like, the, the big discoveries in this game. And Moonskip, I remember just being a huge deal uh, <laughs> when that first came around. <laughs> what exactly is it, and how does one pull it off? So Moonskip is a trick in Super Mario Odyssey. It was found, like, first couple of days the game was out. Um, <laughs> I think we, the runner that discovered it was Zadok Squared, if I remember right. Would we be able to skip to it? I was looking it? at this recently. What? Would we be able to, like, jump to it really quickly? And yeah, sure, actually, yeah. That's towards the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably yeah. the last, like, ten minutes. Just a little bit more. Hang on a sec here. Uh, did I skip That's it already? Gotta, nope, keep going. Thank you for bearing with us as we try to get over here to, because it's, it's, okay, here we go. Okay, so Fur has already Oops, done it, but that. Nicro is doing oh, it now. Oh, Nicro yeah. was on it there we go. Okay. right where you just were. Uh, right here? Nope. Um, Nicro's got to move a little bit forward. Fur's got to move a little bit backward. You can choose. Let's, yeah. let's we'll go with Furs. All right, here we go. Cool. There we go. Okay, perfect. All right, yeah, so it'll be coming up here in a moment. So basically what's going to happen is on my perspective, I'm going to ground pound on top of the Sphinx, and then I'm going to do a cap bounce up the wall, and I'm going to wall jump in a very specific part of the wall, and that's going to let me wall jump on this other wall over there. And uh, just it lets us skip this entire section in Moon Kingdom that takes like literal minutes to get through since... Moon's a very linear level, and like our only goal here is to get to the end. It doesn't matter if we actually do that part or not. So it's a pretty useful trick, and um, it's a bit trickier than it looks because the game does not want Mario to be able to wall jump um, at like walls that are like 90 degrees from each other. But because of the like jagged edges of the cliff face there, um, we're able to sort of just jump up it anyways if we do it in the right spots. It, it, I, as that, was the, a, that was a trick that was discovered on day one, by the way. Like, Yeah, it was really early. Yeah, and it's great because the opposite, like the, the thing that you are avoiding, you're going to see it come up on micro screen here too as he rolls up, is this like, I, I kind of call it like the, the victory road of Super Mario Odyssey <laughs> because <laughs> it's the same kind of concept as like you're getting to the last stage of the game the only thing that kind of stands in your way is the final boss but oh we're gonna put like a, a daunting kind of platforming challenge in your way and that's the moon cave and that's like this this place lava and it probably like you know i think the world record for getting through the moon cave from start to finish is like two and a half minutes or something like that um so that's the fastest that you can do it right but most people are going to take like three three and a half minutes there's like a whole other boss fight in there so the fact that we can just kind of jump behind it like this um, right out of the gate, right from day one, was like a huge deal. 
what's the kind of like the trick to learning the trick? And I know that kind of sounds strange, but <laughs> from a casual play, like I remember struggling really hard to jump off of 90 degree walls. Like, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm curious, what are the things you actually have to do? Because I remember this being really challenging, <laughs> having to jump off walls. Yeah, this is where like, um, you know, learning speedrun tricks has a lot to do with kind of, you know, having an intuition about the game and also just being a lot more keen to cues. You know, it was like mm. when you when you go from just playing ga casually to speedrunning, you start to dissect the game a little bit. You start to look at it differently. Um, and that's just kind of how it works. For this trick, that, that I couldn't explain it any better than that, really. Like, you <laughs> for that trick to work, you have to basically get your wall jump to line up on a specific portion of the wall. And if you want to do that consistently, you have to be, like, looking at the wall because the wall's textures are always going to be the same. So you're like, okay, I need to line up with this texture. And then I'm going to throw my cap against it and wall jump. And that should allow me to get the second wall jump. Like, it's all about, like, using what the game gives you as feedback to be able to do it more consistently the next time. I'm going to take us back here and get us back into the run. And let's start talking a little bit about uh, any... Oh, here we go. New Dong City. Perfect. Um, yeah. you're, let's take us about the any percent category. And I noticed that the estimate for this run in 2018 was an hour and seven minutes. Mm -hmm. um, what is the state of the speedrunning at this point? And, and I guess tell us a little bit about the any percent category. How was it routed? How did you kind of get to this point as far as any percent goes? And I guess I'll start with you, Fur, because you're the person uh, running it on the screen. So any... Any percent today or any percent back let's, when? Yeah, let's talk we about it the then, and then we can compare it later. Yeah, back then. So back then, I mean, it, it was definitely different. Um, I think at the time this run happened, I think I was ninth place in any percent, and Nicro was second. I'm trying to remember what world record was because this was late 2018. If I remember correctly, so like, um, did, wait, yeah. I don't know if Nicro had world record at the time. Did he? I, no, I, Nicro didn't have world record at the time of this run. It might have been Sui. It might have been Sui, Sui Saga. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's but possible. I don't, uh, what would it have been? <laughs> it might have been like a, it was probably a low 101, high 100, I think. If I'm if I'm remembering, I'm gonna try right. and look back here. I'm going through uh, speedrun.com as fast as I can. I should have had that data up. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Uh, That's all right. Uh, let's see. Looks like and thirtieth. Uh, it looks like um, it's loading. Thank you, SRC. Taking its time, of course, while we're live. You know, <laughs> perfect. It's not going to go. This is what happens when you have thousands of like the the Super Mario Odyssey leaderboards. By the way, <laughs> I feel like they take the, one of the longest ones to load. Uh, looks like Russia was uh, first place as a in uh, 2000. Oh, this is 19. My bad. Wrong year. October first. I'm, I'm going in the way back machine. That is also a good way to do it. <laughs> SRC has a really cool function now where you can actually do it by uh, by date. But uh, I, I know we were really? I, we we obviously weren't at the sub one hour mark, and I think that's okay. I, oh, Nicro was the uh, we was, were not. was the world record holder. Really, Chaos was in second. So and for you were yeah, both of you were top ten at the time because that's it's part of the announcement. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I know I was top ten, but oh, I, I could have swore Nicro was second. It was probably changing a lot around that time. It was Odyssey, changing like, a lot. That, oh, I just, yeah. I just, Odyssey was. So competitive, especially when it like first came out in the first couple years of it. I mean, it's even still really competitive now, but I remember there being points of time around when the GDQX run happened where like there were 
four or five people that could probably get world record at a given time, <laughs> which was kind of ridiculous. This just it, it, oh yeah, I just picked a time it, in the Wayback Machine that was like October fourteenth of two thousand eighteen, and Chaos and Equan and Little Curbs all got a time on the same day. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> Chaos got like a one oh oh fifty five, and he was the world record holder at that snapshot. So yeah, it was very competitive, very very competitive in that first year. What definitely now? Was it the the movement optimizations? Did routing have anything to do? Like, what were the runners doing? Were you trying different things? I mean, what kind of things were you trying out that was impacting so much of this competitiveness? Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to think back and remember because I know a lot of it. Because this game has always just been like, oh, it's it's movement optimization. People are getting better at you know just figuring out how to move from one place to the other. It's not even necessarily like the route changes that are big time saves, but um. I, I don't remember if there was any like major discoveries at this point, because I know there was a glitch. Um, the the moon clipping dangers. I forget exactly what we call that in Wooded Kingdom. Yeah. Do people just call it like? Uh, they they just call it nut clip. Nut clip. Yeah 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 yeah. Like that was back in I think a few months before this, because that was when. Um, Odyssey was first showcased at GDQ on uh, SGDQ by Nightcrow, I think. So, like, yes. sometimes those big discoveries will happen and there will be, like, 20 or so second time saves. But I think it's mostly just been movement optimization and the occasional route change or... Yeah, because that's kind of how... Other this, discovery. Yeah, that's kind of how these games are. These games work, right? It's like we kind of figure out what a route is going to be um, and we, we test them, like, especially when the game is new. Uh, we test them and, like, we pit different moons against each other. Uh, this is a different Mario game, right? Like, Mario games, typically, um, they've been more, like, you enter a level and that level determines what star you're going to get kind of thing. Like, think Galaxy or Super Mario 64, where, um, you know, you go into the level with one star in mind and it's just, like, start of the level to the finish of the level, then you get spat back out and then you go back in. Um, Odyssey isn't like that. Like, you collect a moon and then you have, like, you basically continue the level from where you were already. Unless it's a story moon, that's different. But um, so the routing was all about like, okay, it's it's like playing a game of connect the dots, right? You're playing a game of connect the dots. You have to connect the dots and then get back to the Odyssey in order to move to the next kingdom. So you know, routing is a part of it, and it's a very exciting part of it. But like, you kind of settle into that really fast if you've got a lot of people working on it, right? Um, it's funny that the history of this game, like when there has been major routing changes, it's because something's discovered. It's because a trick comes about. And almost always that big discovery happens when like a lot of the community or like a major part of the community is away at an event or something. It's very strange. <laughs> like, um, you know, we were talking about Nitro's very first run at GDQ, uh, which was GDQ, uh, SGDQ 2018. So the same yeah. year, but like slightly earlier. Um, that was when the nut clip was discovered. So basically like the wooded kingdom basically got just like flipped upside down and we like completely rerouted it and got different moons all of a sudden. It saved like 30 seconds. Mm. Um, and then the other major thing that I can think of that changed the game wasn't even a trick. It was just that uh, the version changed basically. Uh. Um, the game updated to 1.3 and because of that, the game started like overclocking all the loads. And so 1.0 is actually the version that you're seeing on your screen right now. And it's got a couple yeah. of tricks in it that uh, got patched out. And that was why we played on it is because it was faster for that reason. But when 1.3 came along, um, that changed. Like all the loads got faster. And even though you couldn't do any of the tricks anymore, the game just loaded so fast that it just like kind of beat out the old version anyways. So nothing got added, nothing changed. It just loaded faster. 
uh, and made it faster. And I remember that happening while everybody was at Pace 2019, which was like the first in-person like competitive speedrunning event hosted by uh, Global Speedrun Association. So all of the top Super Mario Odyssey runners were at an event and had to play on 1.0 while the game was like being like going through this revolutionary change back home. Basically, it was wild. So what you're saying is there was a free yeah, world was record, something. free world record available for one day or for a weekend. I mean, <laughs> not necessarily free, but it was. Yeah, it was super funny <laughs> to see that. Like literally, all uh, we had how many Odyssey runners there? There was at least four. Wow. I think there might have been more, but there. Yeah, like all of the top <laughs> Odyssey runners were there, and they just like they couldn't work on getting a faster time with the the new time save. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you mentioned oh, the uh, the overclocking on the cutscenes. Uh, I have a really noisy fan in my Switch for some reason, and I never put that two and two together. They were actually changing, but it would always turn on during the the level skips. And now, <laughs> the, you know, the cutscenes, and now I know why. Okay, go figure. <laughs> it's a small. Yeah, ribbon. mine sounds a bit like a rocket ship taking yes. off now. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. Okay, so that's super interesting, and. I, I, th I think there's an interesting thing to note here is that, you know, in, in traditional 2D Mario games, we're fortunate enough nowadays to have, in fact, I've had for a while now, all of these additional things to help us figure out and learn and optimize speedruns to a new level with tool-assisted speedruns, checking how the game, you know, we could, I mean, people have reverse engineered the code of a lot of, of Mario games. I mean, we've gone to quite, quite some really interesting depths as far as like breaking down a game. Do any of those kind of tools or things exist for Odyssey? And I'm curious how we've gone about, you know, findings i mean obviously some of it's just experimentation people go glitch hunting things like that but are there any tools or anything that, that like like that that exists for odyssey it's funny that um, you ask but yes there is they're <laughs> yeah. pretty rudimentary um and they are very new um the the idea of tasking the switch kind of you know relies on emulation uh, and emulation for the switch is a is a pretty new concept it's not something that's come about um until recently um i think the way that it tasking works now is it basically kind of just like takes over a controller for the regular switch like it doesn't even rely on emulation i'm not sure maybe for you can elaborate on that a little bit um i i really don't know much about the tasking on the switch to be honest so i couldn't really add to be honest yeah what i do know is that the, the biggest hurdle that we have to come across is motion controls mm. um because the motion controls are very like dynamic in this game like if you shake the controller to the left versus to the right, you can get the game to do different things. You shake it upwards instead of downwards, you can get it to do different things. Um, and so emulating that is a real challenge um, when it comes to, you know, uh, tasks or just emulation in general, uh, which is why it's been so hard to kind of get the ball rolling on that. Um, so it does exist, but I, I feel like a lot of the clips that do exist for it tend to live in the realm of, um, you know, stuff that doesn't involve the motion controls. I think it's become a little bit more complicated, a little bit more um, available to do stuff like that. Like, I think we can do up throws in, in tasks now. Um, but nothing has been comprehensively put together as, like, a showcase for tasks. Uh, what we have instead is something that we call uh, BTT, or Best Theoretical Time. Um, maybe, Fur, you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so BTT, it's basically something that's been around for a while but like the core the core idea of what it is for super mario odyssey is that um we didn't have these like fancy task tools that we could use to you know 
put together a perfect run or like try and figure out crazy strats or whatever. So what people ended up doing was they made this sheet that kept track of like these individual segments of the run. And um, it would track like, oh, what is the fastest segment of getting from this moon to this next moon or from this moon to a loading zone or things like that. So instead of having a task, we would basically have this community made spliced speed run that would um, sort of show what the theoretical best time for um, Super Mario Odyssey is. Yeah, so taking it kind of like one step beyond, like, you know, when you think of when you think of a speed run, you think of like the splits that you've got. Usually you kind of like segment the run, in this case, by the kingdom. But this best theoretical timesheet was to the moon or even like to the, like, you know, from one place to another or something. Like it was like very heavily segmented, but... Um, you know, it's still humanly possible. So people would like grind out these like, you know, five second segments over and over and over again until they got something that was like what we considered at the time to be inhumane. Now that we've got the task tools, though, if you like, you can probably go on YouTube and search some of these for yourself. Um, now that we have task tools, some of the clips that are coming out of tasks are like disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> And there's actually some really great resources. Once again, the best, there's this whole sheet of where, you know, as you're mentioning of all the different worlds and you can look up how many frames or what the time is. For example, like two minutes and 38 seconds and 0.533, just for example. And that's, I think it's kind of an interesting and cool way to do it, especially, so as a speedrunner myself, I, I rarely have time. To, I don't have time, unfortunately, to do speedruns that are longer than an hour. So maybe if you're interested or maybe you just enjoy grinding out something small, this is something you could actually contribute and be, because uh, these aren't necessarily done by, uh, world record holders. I mean, a lot of these folks have, but I mean, they're, they're, it looks like it's, this is a community effort to put together some of these best of segments, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it, oh, it, yeah. you mentioned Odyssey community. I think that it, you know, speedrunning Odyssey might take an hour. You're right. And maybe not everybody has time for that. But I think that the overarching Super Mario Odyssey community extends beyond just speedrunning the main game. Like there, there are community elements that go into different facets of this game. Like the fact that you that Mario is able to cross these major gaps with the combination of Cappy has led to like a community of people called trip jumpers, which basically like, <laughs> if I stand here, can I get over there? The answer is usually yes, by the way, because they're 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 crazy. They do like this is what they do is they just try and figure this stuff out, right? Um, and then there's like the mini games in the game, like Koopa free running. So there are a lot of people who like to um, try and grind out the Koopa free running races and try and get the best times that they possibly can on those. So like, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that you can do with this game if you wanted to actually try and you know be good at a Mario game. There's a lot of opportunity here. As a fan, it's one of the coolest and fun things to watch is that typically if you can see something in Odyssey, usually you can get there somehow by jumping. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's not, not a lot of games exist like that. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that just adds to the beauty of why it's so fun to speedrun, right? That's, that's part of it. And sometimes Nintendo knows, right? Like, uh, recall the, um, you know, the Sand Kingdom boss fight, um, the one with the, the knuckle tech, the hands and the, the, the head. If you like go into that room and then turn around, there's like a big kind of stone archway. And if you manage to get up there, there's a huge coin stack up there. Like Nintendo knew that if you had good control of Mario, you could make it happen. Like you could get, you could theoretically get up there. So they reward you for it. Or like in Lake Kingdom, the first thing you're supposed to do is like go into an underwater cavern and like navigate some spiky waterways and stuff. But you can also just triple jump and use Cappy to get over a wall that kind of 
cuts all that out. And they reward you by Cappy being like, yo, you did it. What nice jump. Like, <laughs> sometimes Nintendo knows better, you know? Sometimes Nintendo knows <laughs> that there are people out there trying to be good at their games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th that's kind of cool. It's kind of, like, cheeky of them to do that. But at the same time, like, you can even push that several steps beyond what they ever expected you to do, too. I am convinced that the developers of Mario games throughout their decades of history now, there had to have been speedrunners or people who were interested in playing the game that way because some of these paths, especially like in Mario's 1, 2, and 3, just seem like tailor-made for speedrun <laughs> speed oh, routing. I, I honestly couldn't agree more with you. Okay, so my the perfect example for me, um, Super Mario World, uh, Yoshi's Island 2? No, Yoshi's Island 3. It's the one with like the, the platforms that like spin around like this. At the very, like, the, that level is supposed to be really slow because you have to, like, start by jumping up. But speedrunners, they start with a run directly to the right and they use that, like, uh, information block and they jump off of that and keep their running speed throughout the whole level and it works. Like, when I saw <laughs> yes. that level, I was like, Nintendo knows people are doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> they, they have, have to. to know. Yeah, I agree. So Somewhere in their testing down the line, people are looking for those routes. I just feel like it has to be a thing. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this run. And well, actually, I'm sorry, before we get to that, for we, we'll get to this run in just a second. Um, what was I, I, it's I know, especially nowadays for so, as a community and as fans and as viewers, we react to barriers being broken and for better or for worse. I know sometimes that could be really challenging for speedrunners. Like we're trying to get to the next, you know, minute barrier or whatever it is. And I, I, it's a real thing. However, it seems like breaking that hour barrier was a big deal. And uh, if you can, maybe just tell us a little bit, when did that barrier finally get broken? And why was that a big deal for the any percent category? Oh, that was, that was early 2019, wasn't it? Right, Dangerous? March or April, I think. And yeah. it was Nicro Vita I who think did so. it. I think so. Yes. <laughs> there were a couple people on the precipice. There were like Chaos mm -hmm. could have done it. Little Curbs actually got a 1000 flat. Like he got an hour mm -hmm. flat, like three or so weeks before somebody was able to actually do it. So brutal. Um, yeah, there were a, there were a handful of people that could have done it like any day, um, and it just so happened to be Nitro in March or April. Yeah, it was it was early that year. What, As to yeah, why it was it was a really big deal. Yeah, I think you know it, there's a lot of things that culminate in that because there are plenty of other speedrun games that like cross over minute barriers and you know they kind of go unnoticed or like it might be a big deal for the communities but not necessarily for the overarching speedrun communities as a whole, right? Like. Uh, Sub Hour and Odyssey was kind of this incredibly special thing because there was, it was almost, you were almost playing team sports with it a little bit. You were like, <laughs> is it possible? No, it's not. It's impossible. It'll never happen. And then you've got the crew that's like, you know, it's speedrunning, anything can happen. And they're like being a little bit more realist about it. And so, like, there was this dialogue, you know, there was this buildup. It's kind of like, you know, Super Mario 64 is probably the most notorious speedrun game of all time. Mm -hmm. And it's like the world record actually just got beaten yesterday for 120 star by Liam. Um, and so like whenever that record gets broken, everybody knows about it. It's just like it's got this notoriety, right? And I think that because Odyssey was the new Mario game in town and because, you know, getting the number down from a five-digit number to a four-digit number is just like, you know, it's arbitrary, <laughs> but it's clean. And it's, you know, it's got this kind of satisfying thing that just like really hits us in the in the monkey brain a little bit. And we just love it, you know? We can't wait to see something like that happen. So because of all this tension and because it had been like two years since the game came out, we were all just anticipating it with like bated breath. And because it was so contested and because there was so much 
um, like within the community, there were so many people that could have made it happen. And it was so close. Um, and there was so much tension, like, you know, it's, it's just a recipe for success, really. I love it in the chat. March 23rd, never forget. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the 50 died, 50 oh, died. Oh, man. So, so this run, this is the one you're, run you're watching folks right now on the, on the screen is uh, GDQX 2018. So the game is, is fairly new. I mean, and as we've already talked about a bunch, the, the speed run out of it is evolving literally on a daily basis. With that being said, then, for how do you prep for a run like this where some things are literally changing <laughs> every day? Is this a lot of grinding? Are you? I mean, how do you prep for a run like this? I think since it was a marathon run, the main thing I was focusing on was like, all right, let's do some no resets. Let's finish runs, make sure I'm consistently getting, you know, like decent times for like what Odyssey was back then. That was that was my main goal. I think there was a few specific strats that I practiced as well. Like, um, I think I put a fair amount of practice into the uh, Mecha Brutal fight at the end of Bowser's Kingdom because that's always been like a constantly evolving fight that's been pretty difficult since you know day one basically. And um, yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I didn't mess up along with you know a couple others. So it, it was mainly just like no resets and practicing the things where it's like, okay, this is hard. I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, and I guess you you were in a unique experience for because not only were you doing a marathon run, but you were doing a race as well. Um, Indeed. In, in my experience, like when I go into marathon runs, I tend to view them as a showcase. Like, you know, people mm -hmm. are probably never having seen this before. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go all out. And if I take a couple extra, you know, minutes even on something, it's not a big deal because the, the whole goal is to kind of showcase what the game can do because people have a perception of what Mario Odyssey looks like. I'm going to shatter that expectation. That's what I'm here to do. But when you're in a race, you kind of have to be focused on consistency as well. So that's, that's a little bit of Definitely. an interesting kind of addition to what you had to worry about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, there's a couple things that I find really fascinating uh, about this run specifically at, at this time because it really feels like it captures a moment in time for the community, um, mostly because we're seeing strats that are some of them are obsolete at this point or have been improved quite a bit. Uh, is I, I guess are there any nerves? Or are there any you know what's it like stepping onto that stage? This was our first time uh, having a GDQX, you know this this express event at, at TwitchCon. Uh, could you take us a little bit behind the scenes and perhaps with you know playing in front of you know tens of thousands of people and all that kind of stuff? What's that like? Um, so I had already done a GDQ run before at this point, so I wasn't as nervous as I was the first time because the first time I was freaking out. It was something I'd never done before. <laughs> and um, I knew there was going to be tons and tons of people watching. For this, it was, you know, the same sort of thing. But since I already had that extra experience under my belt, it it wasn't, you know, as scary. But uh, it, I, I, I couldn't say I wasn't nervous, you know. <laughs> Uh, they definitely was. It's pretty cool seeing Spike and Triax on the uh, couch there. Is there any like? Do you ever do like practice with the commentators or anything like that for a run like this? Like, what, what's the what's that side of things? Because we don't get a chance to you know hear or talk about that at all. You know, while the run's actually <laughs> happening. Um, for this run in particular, I don't think we really did anything beforehand. That being with said, practice. though. Um, yeah, dangerous. <laughs> Nicro Vita's run, the very first one that was ever at a GDQ, was like, I I think they 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 had this idea that they really wanted to go above and beyond with like 
mm-hmm. scripting how the run was going to be was going to go. Um, <laughs> right. It, it you know it came off as a little bit cheesy, but like charming at the same time. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. Um, they the people on the couch obviously knew what was going to what was going to happen, but they would kind of set themselves up for some jokes and. Um, you know, <laughs> like, like looking back on it, it is like, yeah, you know, like this is Odyssey's first showcase. Like, let's let's give it our all. So, um, it, you know, mm-hmm. the dynamic there is a little bit different. Like Spike and Trihex, they kind of know what to expect. They're reacting to a race that's happening. But that first run, Microvita's run, I think uh, Smallite was on the couch. I think Trihex was on the couch. And I think um, Bayleaf was on was the couch. Spike? Oh, no, no. I think you're right. I think it, yeah, was, I think it was Bayleaf. Bayleaf. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so like they they actually got together and they basically like scripted the whole run from start to finish. Um, so it really yeah, there is a dynamic there and it's like completely different. Just kind of depends on how mm-hmm. you're feeling. Um, usually when I get commentators for my runs, they're people who know the run really well, so they can kind of just like anticipate what's coming. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you had done a run before for, and then this was uh, another this one after that. Um, what's it like playing in front of people live? It's something. <laughs> I gotta tell you, as as quarantine and COVID and everything has happened, uh, I'm taking for granted nowadays. But uh, tell us a little, <laughs> what's it like actually, you know, stepping into that room and hearing uh, people cheer for you behind you and all that kind of stuff. I, I think the live stuff definitely makes it a bit weirder for sure. It's <laughs> it's a completely different environment than like, because I've done if you if you count this, I've done three like GDQ runs. I've done one at an AGDQ, one at a GDQX, and then I think the other was one for the online SGDQ this last summer and the like environment of doing it online versus in person like this is just so much different because you can turn around and you can see like a crowd of people back there watching <laughs> eyeballs and, yeah and you, you can hear them too sometimes so it's it's definitely different for sure I think that's one of the things, too, that makes a race so much fun is that there's people cheer. I mean, most of the, in fact, at least my experience at all the GDQs, basically, they're always trying to, you know, root on who's ever running and stuff. But the race, there's just that extra added element (laughs) of the oohs and the (laughs) ahs as things go wrong or things happen great, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that you uh, perhaps you wish you would have hit or how did you feel like your run went? Um... I think I did overall, like, okay. I think I ended up having an average run. But there was one instance where, like, back in Lost Kingdom, um, I noticed something Nicro did wrong. And it was something I could have, like, said, like, hey, um, you didn't, you know, you didn't trigger Klepto. You're going to, you're going to, like, get Cappy stolen. But I, I didn't want to say that and have me be wrong. Oh, no. Because if I told him that and, you know, I was wrong about that and I made him lose time, that would have been horrible. But because I didn't say anything, um, he ended up losing, like, a, a minute. Right. Yep. Because, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like, if, if you go back to it in the, um, the VOD in Lost Kingdom, I could... I, I, I don't know if you can tell on my face that I, I noticed something is wrong, but it was definitely awkward because it was like, oh, this is about to happen, and I don't know if I should do something or not. <laughs> well, that's a, that brings up a good uh, point. So when you're racing this, you can see uh, Necrovita's, like, TV or, you know, his screen, right? Yeah. That's so... I yeah, mean, that, it was, like, right next to mine. I got to wonder, how often when you're racing somebody does that happen? How often are you, you able to see, you know, quite often we're at home, right? Yeah. So. That's a good point. Yeah. So, 
Very um, cool. You know, I actually just thought about this too. So the Switch is wireless controllers. Mm -hmm. um, I know that mm -hmm. when you're in the practice room at GDQs, the connection of the controllers is like, it's abysmal. It's very bad. Oh, really? Um, because you've got all of these like other wireless <laughs> things going on. Yes. So sometimes your controller just doesn't have like a solid Bluetooth connection to your console because it's like, it's, you know, so bombarded by all these other signals. Did you ever, like when you were in that race for, did you experience any of that? Uh, I don't think it was that bad for this run. I remember that being something I've like worried about in the past or when I've like played on my Switch in the practice room at GDQ. It's been like a little like, I guess, weirder than um, it is at home. But that's sort of just one of the things you have to be prepared for, get used to. Because even if it's not like a connection thing, um, if you're playing a game at GDQ, like you're going to be playing on like a different monitor, you're going to be in a different chair, you're just have like this completely different environments around you. And it's like, it can be weird to get adjusted to like that new environment. Because again, you're not in the comfort of your own home. And I think one of the nice things about GDQX is, at least my experience when I was there is like, there's like five practice, you know, TVs or whatever. It's a much smaller <laughs> thing than <laughs> typical take up the entire, you know, conference ballroom at a, at a hotel for GDQ. Yeah. So I think that helps out a little bit as well. Um, any last thoughts about this run specific? Because I, I, it's, I, it's, it, it, I remember watching it and, and really enjoying the race, and I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. It's going to set the stage where we're going next and what the evolution of uh, Mario Odyssey speed rating is going to be. But any final thoughts for her before we move on? Um, not really. I think we covered a lot of like the the interesting and fun stuff with the uh, the run and you know, in regards to like this GDQ run in particular. So thanks everyone for listening, watching, viewing, liking, subscribing, and sharing all of that stuff goes a long way to helping out the podcast. If you'd like any additional info, you can go to sequencebreakpodcast.com. All of our past episodes, everything's on there. You'll find everything there. If you'd like to watch live, follow the sequence break Twitter. That is sequence break PC. And you can join in, ask some questions, watch the whole thing live. It does happen. It's not really a set time, but I do post when I go live. Everything else, if you have any questions or anything like that, podcast at sequencebreakpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.